Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. You know who I am, probably. If you don't, my name is right there on the screen. It's Andrew Fantasia. If you're not watching this on the screen, if you're listening to it, then I just spoiled what my name was. I'm sorry. Spoilers ahead. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And I'm here, Mr. Ryan J. Marble. That's what you're going to call me because that's what we're talking about. What's up? You yeah, changed how... your name. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's kind of like the fun of my name because I, as you guys know, we always introduce my full name. And even when I met Fantasia in our college days, I, I would introduce myself by my my full full name. But the fun part I learned about it was you could just swap it out for anything. I could be Ryan J Windows one day, Ryan J Xbox, Ryan J Marvel. So today I'm Ryan J Marvel, uh, and. Uh, very excited. This is exciting times because, and I hate, again, I hate saying I'm very excited because I'm always excited, but <laughs> this is the best time for me as a Marvel fan because we got through Eternals. Eternals was good. Chloe, I think you did a great job, but now it's heavy hit, heavy hitting season. Uh, you know, just before we get into the main topic, that was, uh, that was, that, that I will say is sponsored by our boy Jonathan here because he wanted this episode to happen. Um, That's but, right, uh, Jonathan Davis. Thank you, Jonathan, yeah. for for asking us to do this because uh, it's a, it was a great idea and it's, it's definitely something that needed to happen. Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, but a couple of uh, housekeeping items before we get started. First of all, uh, we are entering some epic, epic Marvel content. Uh, we got Moon Knight coming out at the end of the month. So Fantasia and I will be getting back together on a weekly, watching that Moon Knight action. I am so excited for you, Fantasia. You don't even know what Moon Knight's about. You have, you're going in with nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I am excited for you. I hope we can get on and on in a couple episodes because this is the I think this is gonna be the first Marvel project that that like Guardians, like nobody knows about. So right. nobody knows about this character. So it's either gonna be like a big hit or people like or like the Eternals, it could be just this awkward you know miss in terms of understanding what it's all about and so that's going to be an interesting thing there the second housekeeping item is that dr strange trailer dropped for the multiverse multiverse of madness oh my god it broke the internet it broke the internet and there's i mean people are still dissecting everything and i i do believe at this point marvel fans um that marvel's teasing us a bit Marvel is, in fact, teasing us. They they will le legit throw a match at gasoline because they're like, people are like, oh my god, did you did you see this in the trailer? Did you see this? And even me, like I I could have swore I think I see Human Torch, but it's not Human Torch. Um, but um, but they're they're Marvel is just like, have you seen all the little hints in the uh, in the shattered glass there? So they're kind of putting us on this wild goose chase, you know, trying to sniff out the Feige radar and everything. It's yeah, it's it's a mad craziness. But but Professor X dropping in the trailer. Oh my god! And every and you threw in that little that little cheeky uh, viewer comment there, but uh, that's uh, yeah. That's a, that's a no. That's that's it is. I'm pretty sure it is Professor X. Even Pat, Sir Pat's himself was like, uh, was like, people are saying, people are saying that, or people have been trying to imitate my voice for many years. 
And then someone directly asked him, like, is that you in the film? And he's like, just have to wait and see, which is classic business lingo for cannot confirm or deny or all that nonsense. So I'm going to say it's him. It sounds like him. If it sounds like him and he wheels into a shot, <laughs> you know, paint me Professor X. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's huge news and it's 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 exciting. I, I saw an interesting video before we really get into the Spider-Man talk, though. I saw an interesting video that mentioned this was their chance to try something different. Now, that being said, this is this is a multiverse Professor X. So yeah. we don't know if we're going to get this. If if they open the doors to the X-Men in the primary story story arc, the primary MCU story arc, they could easily put in any Professor X if they wanted to. Uh, but they're leading with this. And that being said, I'm curious. I think now the que- what begs the question is how much of the X-Men world are they bringing in? Or are they just bringing back the actors and retconning everything else? You know what I hope is I hope the answer to that question is they're not bringing much. That's just me because I feel like, I mean, I mean, you and I have done a bunch of episodes now, Ryan, where we say like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if if Wolverine was played by this guy now or whatever? And I want to see that. I want to see the MCU's version of Wolverine. I want to see the MCU's version of Rogue. And I want their versions to be blue and yellow suit with the black thing and green and yellow and i'm really really southern sugar i want to see the the candy colored versions of these characters Mm -hmm. that we didn't get in the fox movies and i feel like if you just grab hugh jackman and anna paquin and and shove them back on screen and say here they are they're back you're not going to get that different flavor you're just going to get them being like hey we're back and that's enough to do and i don't want that um, so I hope it's just Xavier wheeling out uh. on that chair, Ralph Boner at his side, and they're <laughs> they're just chatting it up with with uh, with the doctor. And Xavier's like, "Hey, listen, uh, this is this is a wonderful Patrick Stewart I'm doing right now. It sounds like he's right in the room <laughs> with me." But he's like, "Listen, uh, Doctor, you can, you don't know how big the multiverse is." And then he just goes on and talks about the concept of this. Maybe he knows about King. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but. I just want him to sort of be the um, Patrick Stewart can be the the common thread. I don't want a whole ball of yarn of common threads. You know, let's let's just the MCU is so good at giving us new interpretations of people. Let's keep that up. Yeah, uh, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I think it needs to be fresh. It needs to be different. I think the most creative approach, because as a Marvel fan, as as speaking from Marvel fandom, um, I think what I'd like to see the most is them say that the cartoon is the main story. Oh my God, can you imagine? Could could you imagine? Because think about it, think about it. They tried, They that's why Sir Pats was casted as Xavier, because he sounded and, and gave that same sort of feel with that character, you can't deny the the, the similarities there. And oh, I think in what, real life, I wouldn't be surprised if he does train mutants in Westchester. Like that's just hundred percent, hundred percent. And and who's to say, who's to say that the animated series, why they are continuing it, is to kind of get you caught up and 
kind of modernize them into like what's been going on in the world. And then, and then you don't even have to do, you don't even have to do uh, kind of like a recap X-Men movie or anything to try to catch them up because all the groundwork is done. You literally just start throwing in your cameos or do your, your new movies like that have different characters and all this stuff. Like you could literally just pick up and run with it. Especially because something that would make both you and I excited is if they go that route, that means it's very likely we get Juggernaut and it's very likely we get the Shi'ar Empire. That's right. It, mm-hmm. And and it would be, feel very MCU building. Like you get, you get everything. You get Sinister, you get Apocalypse, all said and done in the cartoon. And then you just bring them in. Like literally, like all you have to do is say that the animated series is canon to the MCU and then Bob's your uncle. Rest yeah. is history. But that being said, speaking of cameos, speaking of story arcs, and speaking of the MCU, let's go back to this request that was done by Jonathan E. Davis. He said he wanted a second attempt at Spider-Man, uh, our, our, our view on Spider-Man No Way Home. And uh, he was talking about uh, he was talking about his love for Spider-Man. I was beyond inspired to see him just really put his heart and soul into talking about it. Uh, biggest character grew up with and that meant a lot to him and that he related a lot to him. You know, it's a very powerful story to hear. And mm. he really wanted our real take at uh, at Spider-Man. So we're listening. We're going to give you our second run. So this is take two. Uh, of this is our rewatch, I should say, actually, our rewatch yeah. of Spider Man No Way Home. And though we haven't rewatched it since the movie came out, I can I can confidently say I remember it quite well to get back into it. So, Fantasia, my friend, my brother, let's jump into it and jump right into the action as the movie was so smart in literally picking up exactly where the last movie ended. So let's talk about your thoughts and feelings there. So because one of the things I think is really cool is because they're doing these interconnected stories is that, you know, when you're doing a trilogy of movies, one of the things that it always does is they always kind of seem to tell that time is past. They always try to show that there's there's time has passed since these events of the sequel. We're moving forward. This movie literally starts where the last one ended and it jumps right into the jumps right into the action. I love when movies do that. I, I feel like I wish more of them did. I wish more series mm. did. Um, I, I was just, you know, I do this thing every three months that I put on my YouTube channel where I try to watch as many movies as I can that I have never seen before. And the rule is they have to be at least a year old. And then I do like one big collective thing where I'm like, this is what I want. Uh, and Minor spoilers uh, for what's coming up, but for January, February, and March, one of the, the franchises that I've never seen before that I watched is the Jason Bourne movies. Ooh. And those are really, well, that's like a trilogy, at least. There's really good at, hey, we're picking up right where we left off. In fact, we might even backtrack a bit to show you some stuff we missed that goes in. Like, they're really good at doing that. The, the way two seeped into three was like, oh, wonderful. Uh, so this being able to do that is something that it's like, I can't believe it took this long for the MCU to have that happen. Um, I mean, you could argue 
Ragnarok to Infinity War, where it's like, what's that ship? And then we start with, this is a bad ship, right? Um, but I think that's the closest we've come. So it's so nice to see them really start to do that. And it, it's just so nice in general to revisit this movie with you because I like we want to remind people we had to be super quiet when we recorded the first episode because Isabella was in the next room. We didn't want to spoil anything for her. And this is a movie filled with spoilers. And it's also a very dense movie. So it makes sense that we would do a second episode on it this soon too, because it's mm -hmm. just, there's so much there to unload. There's, there's one thing that I totally forgot to bring up that I'll bring up kind of when we get to it that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, but there's lots going on and to start where we left off feels, I feel like there's people who would argue like, oh, that's uh, alienating the, the viewers who didn't see part two and you should never do that. Um, and, and that seems to be a big complaint just in, in general. You know, when you hear people who are like anti-MCU, they're like, oh, why does everything have to tie together? And it's like, you remember the 1980s, right? When every franchise had 19 sequels, but none of them tied together. You remember how much hot garbage we got from that? Like, <laughs> yeah. The, we, should, we should be on our knees thanking them for finally, you know, having the decency to tie story threads together. Uh, the One of my favorite podcasters, Matt Gorley, I was just listening to him and he was making a joke about the children of the corn. Have you ever seen any of those? I know you don't like horror, but Children of the Corn uh, has nine movies to its name, the Children of the Corn franchise. And he was making this long-winded joke about how, because they were made in the 80s and 90s, how like, oh, they all tie together so beautifully. And when you get to part 10, you really see just how it all connects. And like, he's being sarcastic about it because that was the way it was back then. Nobody gave a shit. The people who watched... Yeah, I'm sorry, rather the people who made like Friday the 13th part five, you could make a safe bet. They didn't even see Friday the 13th part four and they didn't care. <laughs> They're just like, I'm on cocaine. Here's Jason. Action. <laughs> right? So I'm so glad now that we live in a world where we're still living, you know, nothing's changed. Everything is still getting a hundred sequels, but except now the thing that has changed is the people making those sequels, they care a little bit more and you get stuff like this. Uh, mm -hmm. So to to kick off into a, a an immediate follow up, it's not only nice for us, but it makes total sense because if you would have time jumped from this, you you miss a crucial part of the story and you miss crucial parts of how the characters react to what's going on. Uh, there is a world where this movie could have started in the winter time when he goes and sees Strange, but you need that time to show how things have regressed in Peter's life. Mm -hmm. Also, a good movie tactic, too, is is to literally see the character running from something because it, get, it mm -hmm. starts to get you like you're trying to like catch up and you're like, what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just trying to like, what's happening? And it, once that happens, it really kind of creates that that synergy. Um, now, the, the interesting thing about this run of Spider-Man is, of course, it is an adaptation and they cover things that isn't exactly spelled out for you. Um, and they, they kind of modernize it in their own way. Uh, first of all, like Mary Jane is Michelle Jones, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and on top of that, uncle Ben, they, they don't even show him. They, they don't show him. They never even talk. They don't talk about what well, they, they reference him very little, very briefly. Um, and so there are things that make this movie start the, sorry, there are things that make this trilogy feel like it's a, it's a different Spider-Man but we're along for the ride. And 
I think what's crazy is this movie does a great job of 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 adding chaos to this adaptation and and getting you kind of getting you kind of looking around. You're you're a tour guide in this or sorry, you're you're being taken on a tour of this MCU world through Spider-Man's eyes, which is kind of neat because Spider-Man is not exactly an MCU character. He's Sony's character. He's Sony's character living in an MCU world. And so yeah, to he's on loan. Live, yeah, he's on loan, right? So so to live through his eyes is really fun because it's fun to see him engage with all these characters. So speaking of which, like we go through the the whole the whole run through scene, which I love, and there's still that kind of humor, this kind of teenage humor um, that's played there. And the Spider-Man, you know, a lot of people still argue that this is not this is not the Spider-Man from the comics. This is not even even the cartoons that I grew up with. This is not the same Spider-Man. And in fact, I, I would even argue if if you do say that, I would even argue how is he different? You know, he's still got he's got relationship problems. He's trying to manage his relationship. He's trying to figure out how he can make money uh, so he can do he needs to have like a job of some kind and make money so he can have an income and all that wonderful stuff. Um, and he's always trying to fix um, fix the mistake he made with uncle with letting uncle ben down and uncle ben dying he's always trying to he blames himself and he tries to fix that so these are like the core elements that kind of really make spider-man who he is and and as long as you respect those core examples and dc lately hasn't been doing that until very recently they've started fixing characters and i'll be curious to see if batman does the same thing uh, but like but like you take Superman, for example, when you look at Superman in Justice League and even Man of Steel, they take all the core concepts of Superman and throw it right out the window because they were trying to modernize them, which makes sense because we live in a world where like people have different views and all this stuff. The whole point of Superman is to rise above all that and be your best version of yourself. That's the whole message of, uh, the whole message of Superman. And, and in Man of Steel and Justice League, they don't he doesn't rise above he he makes decisions and he you know things happen because of it and and it, there's no he he's like i'm just trying to be good no you weren't trying to be good you wouldn't kill people if it try if you're trying to be good you know what i mean you would you would have found a solution because that's what superman does but the cw series super, uh superman and lois or clark and lois or whatever that show respected the core things about superman and and that's why with spider-man and the mcu characters they focus on those core elements of each character that makes them who they are. And as long as those core elements are respected, then you can kind of play play with and bend the rules of the character a little bit. And this 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 is kind of interesting because, again, you know, Spider-Man in the comics, his identity never kind of gets fully out there. But this time around, we live in a modern world, social age. And for Mysterio to really take advantage of that is really fun to see and scary. Like, this is a scary time for Spider-Man. Like, uh, you know, and this character is a very innocent character. So that was huge to me. That was huge to me that he, they, that they're really playing this up. And, it, and on top of that, by making such a drastic move as a Marvel fan, they're, like, I'm, I'm looking at Marvel, like, how are you going to fix this? Like, how are you going to convince me that he's going to get out of this with no scratches. You know what I mean? Like, how, or that everything's going to be all stitched and put away because we know it's a trilogy and you need to wrap up the main arc of this story. So how are you going to get away with this, Marvel? How are you going to do it? 
And that's what I love about this opening sequence is like, is, is the big question is, how are you going to get away with this? How are you going to get away with this story? And how are you going to fix it? Well, first of all, I have to step in and defend my friend Superman for a second. Try. The world, the world is way too hard on this Superman here. We have to remember that there was a five-chapter arc planned for these characters, five movies, and the world got to see two and a half of them before WB was like, nope. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so that's an actual- <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> that, that's exactly what the head of WB did verbatim. Um, so the the journey that he was supposed to go on and that Batfleck was supposed to go on and Wonder Woman, we never got to see that journey the way it was intended. Uh, and I guarantee you uh, that there is- you know, we're supposed to see him make mistakes and stumble in the first movie because it's the first movie. And we're supposed to see him become the Superman and eventually rise above everything, as you so beautifully put it. But if he starts off that way, then he's got nowhere to go for four movies. So he needed the space to grow. And a studio didn't let him do that because... <laughs> so we ended up with uh, an unfinished product so superman I, I, I trust you no hey i agree with you man i'm a big henry cavill fan the man represents nerds like no other the man <laughs> represents nerds like no other um he he literally is he's literally what a nerd should be you know living being the best version of themselves and and uh and again it's not his fault i totally get that i and i what i'm also saying is cw got it right like cw did a modern Superman and and made it work. They changed things, but they respected the core. And this this trilogy with Spider Man uh, bringing it back is is respecting the core that makes Spider Man Spider Man. And and it's interesting that this movie kicks off in a position that you normally would not find Spider Man in. He always hides his identity and figures out a way to keep everything all neat and tidy. And this movie is clever in that whole arcing sense with the whole how he covers up his identity but the, the the fun thing is is the beginning of this movie makes you think man how is he gonna live as public enemy number one yeah like and it's it must be so scary because he's so young uh mm. he's not the adult that toby and andrew were so he's got a lot of uh the stakes feel higher uh to mm. see to see this kid go through this stuff and then on top of that what I found beautiful was the whole idea of like, and they gave this away in the trailers too, which was like a cool way to show us what this movie is going to be about is the idea of, all right, here's a big mistake I made. We're going to undo the mistake, but it's also going to do something, which to me is one of the scariest concepts ever in life, which is to undo the progress of life itself. Um, it, it's basically the, the, the sense of losing your, your, your game before you can save on a much darker and horrible scale. And the, the thought of like, okay, all this progress I've made my relationship with MJ, my, my best friend, my aunt, the, they won't remember me. They, all of this is gone. All the progress we made as human beings living our lives is gone. It's not worth it. It is, I will take the slings and arrows and bricks and J. Jonah Jameson's all the live long day. I know if it means I, if somebody told me I could have a million dollars, but I wouldn't have people like you in my life. I'm like, no, I'm picking Ryan J. Whitehead. 
<laughs> bless your heart bless your heart um yeah no absolutely man and so we we kick off into the the chase and i love that I love that even in the opening scene, you're seeing him deal with all the things that make him Spider-Man, right? Like he's got to do the right thing. He's got to figure out how he's going to, he's got to figure out how he's going to do the right thing. He's got to juggle his relationship with Mary Jane, literally, because she's there. He's Um, watching the DVD of the movie, do the right thing. (laughs) And, uh, and then on top of that, right? Like he's, he's, uh, he's just trying to be himself. Right. So, the swinging through the city is fun. He gets to the apartment. It's all a great time. Uh, and then he ends up getting arrested. And everyone debated the the court the, the in the prison scene when he when he's like he should get a lawyer and everything. And Marvel did a good job of uh, of of uh, what's the word uh, bait and switch. Mar- bait and switch. Yes, thank you. They bait and switched because everyone was expecting matt murdoch to be in the prison in or in the in the police uh in the police station there but he doesn't show and there's a there's i i could swear in the theater when we went there's a moment where people like just you could feel the energy in the room like okay he's not going to be there (laughs) subverting subverting expectations that's what i was thinking of so they subverted expectations because you can feel in the room everyone's like okay so i guess they're not getting matt murdoch or whatever and then and then they're like, don't say anything, don't say anything. And then I'm then they cue like, okay, we need to get we need the lawyer up. Like May May knows things are going down and they don't say it, but they're like, you know, May is like, okay, this is getting real. I need to do something about it. Then they bring in the biggest the biggest cameo in less than 30, like less than 30 minutes, they drop one of the biggest cameos that this movie people were expecting. But again, they subverted those expectations by not putting him where you think he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you see the shot. He's holding his, uh, he's holding his cane, and he's, and he's there, and you hear the voice, and the crowd for us went wild. They just screamed. I screamed. And it was nuts. It was, it was like the theater went through so many emotions during this movie. <laughs> and this was, this, was the fire, this was the firework that started it all. So everyone's losing their mind and there he is and and you hear the voice and you see him being the lawyer that he is and honestly i think for the longest time of course this is what foggy always wanted was to literally be able to just put put characters wherever he wants like if if two characters need to run into each other then he he'll, he'll make that happen to be fair i don't think he got to do it as much as he can do it now i think right. that you know if you look at the early mcu where you think two characters should have met and it and it everything should have made it happen. It didn't happen, um, and I think that's because, like again, the politics of Marvel at that time was a bit tricky. But this is where Kevin Feige wanted Marvel to be. He wanted he wanted scenes like that to happen all the time. Yes. Um, now, what I'm concerned is was that a glorified cameo? And then you know, and and again and again, I say this knowing that like there's been you know, rumors and speculations that there is a Daredevil series coming and, uh, you know, and that we will be seeing more, you know, we're going to see more Daredevil at some point. But I hope these these aren't glorified cameos. If they are, if, that, if that's all we get, I'm glad we got it. But I hope that's not like, hey, guess what? It's Daredevil, da, 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 da. You know, like, I hope that there's reasons why, like, I hope there's, I hope we see Matt Murdock in She-Hulk. Like, I, I want that more, 
because Kevin Feige said it, it was his goal from the beginning of the MCU. He wanted all this cross-pollination between Marvel projects. And I want to see so much more of that. I want to see if we're in a court world, you better believe I better see Jennifer Walters and Matt Murdock in that scene. Even Foggy Nelson, bring back Foggy Nelson and Karen Page. Like bring those characters back. I but I if I'm in a court area, I better see those characters. If I don't, then then that's gonna hurt my expectations for future projects because I want to see more. I want to see more. I think and it and I've been seeing this a lot is like Kingpin and Hawkeye. Like it was a great, it was great. He was there. It was awesome. They teased him so much and everything, but he wasn't as there as much as I would like him to be. He should have, they should have fleshed out his story more there. Same with um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. They brought back Zemo. They really hyped up Zemo. Zemo didn't do all that much after his one little scene there. And you know what I mean? Like, and even the, um, uh, the bigger cameos with other characters, like so, these cameos, uh, Kang, Kang was one episode in Loki, right? How cool would it have been if he was more of like two or three episodes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, but I know it's one of those things where it's like, Ryan, just be patient. Like, you're going to get more. But I'm worried right now that these, these cameos, they, they come, they pop in and, and, and they, they make a big presence, but that's it. Like, that's all we see of Matt Murdock for the entire movie. And I'm okay with that. I am, but I hope we see, I hope these characters have more story in these stories. You know what I mean? Like, I hope there's more to build off of. Um, and, and the same goes for Multiverse of Madness. I hope with Professor X, it's not that one scene that we see him in. I want to see, want to see him more, you know? I don't think you have anything to worry about, sir. I think that, I mean, like Kevin's Can saying- you say that with confidence? Can I can. You? I can. I can say it with confidence and authority. Damn it, uh, <laughs> Kevin saying how this was what he wanted all along. I mean, you know, him and every other child of the '90s who had Fox cartoons growing up. Like, this is what mm. we've wanted, and I, I know he understands that, and I feel like every fan collectively understands. Like, there's nobody in the MCU world right now in terms of either making it or watching it who's sitting there thinking, I wonder if anybody doesn't want crossovers. Like, no, <laughs> there's nobody thinking that. <laughs> so yeah. the, um, the Daredevil being in one scene and then not coming back is perfect because at the end of the day, it's not really his story. This is just like a little, little nice way to say he's back. Um, and these little things like that and like Kingpin, of course, I wanted more Kingpin too. I'm right there with you, but... With, if these are just a way to tell us they are back and you will see them more, then that's totally okay with me because it's it's the box of chocolates thing. I love opening a new Marvel thing. I'm not knowing who's going to appear. Like right now, there's all these rumors going around that a big character in She-Hulk is going to be Howard the Duck. Like yeah. that is beautiful. It's like, sure, I never expected that, but he's part of the world. Why not? There's no good reason not to have him in there. And that's what I want to keep seeing. I want to keep seeing, all right, this is Captain Marvel too. But hey, you know what? We're going to also see uh, Rhodey because, you know, we got Don Cheadle and he wants to do like a, a he wants to have like a 20 minute part in Captain Marvel too. Great. That, that's, that's beautiful. And all these things are what makes it 
feel to me like it exactly what we wanted to see because th this movie in particular no way home feel and i know you agree with me sir i've never seen a movie that felt more like that fox spider-man cartoon than this film mm -hmm. because not like not only does the daredevil thing feel like it's straight out of that cartoon where it's like you know he's not even in the suit it's just like hey, i know who that guy is i recognize <laughs> those red sunglasses i know what's going on here but yeah. then having Doctor Strange show up and Strange be part of it all and be a big part of the plot and then have this giant team up of villains and then to tackle the multi... Like, that is all ripped straight out of that animated series. And the more these movies start to feel like those, the more happier this guy will be. I'm using, for those listening, I'm pointing with my two thumbs yeah. at my own face. <laughs> yeah. So those I, cameos yeah. will never feel to me like they're they're wasting our time uh even if we never see professor x again that's he's a special case because to me it's like we've we've had 25 years or whatever like we're, i'm i'm good like even though i love him as long as patrick stewart's around sure keep doing stuff but uh i if uh if we get that roadie thing in in captain marvel 2 and he's not a huge part of the plot but he's there to like give them some information or something that's what i signed up for so I'm mm -hmm. all there for it. Uh, no, 100%. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy it happened. I'm worried, though, that they'll they'll drop these cameos and sometimes that may be the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, what if, like, Jessica Jones comes into play and then we only see her the one time? Like, I don't want that because I, I think Jessica Jones, I think it's Chris, Kristen, uh, I can't remember her name. Ritter. But it, Ritter, thank you. I... I think that, like, I think she did an amazing Jessica Jones. Like, I don't think you, I don't want to see another one. No. You know what I mean? I want, I want her. So, I, the cameo is perfect. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy about it. Um, I hope they keep using Daredevil in some way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm just, I'm worried that sometimes they'll drop in a cameo and it may not be enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they'll, they'll drop it in just for hype's sake, and then that will be it. You know what I mean? So, uh, but this Daredevil cameo was perfect. It was a great way subvert expectations and yet still give us daredevil and the timing was beautiful too because we got we got daredevil um uh we got daredevil in spider-man and then literally a week later like almost a week later we got kingpin and hawkeye which was uh which was perfect it was, i think it was oh. even wasn't it even like two we got kingpin and then two days later oh, yeah we got spider-man like, yeah sorry it was the other way around it was yeah. two days Oh man, it was nuts! It was Kingpin nuts. came first. He's the first Kingpin one. came He's first. The yeah, that's right. So this movie did a great job of a great opening act one. It was chaos and panic, and it was, and again, like how is how is he going? How is Marvel going to tie the story up? Like how is how is Spider Man going to get back to being this character that we know? Like he's hide he can hide his identity. He can he can be this old school Spider Man we know and love. So that was awesome. And then we get into act two where he's trying to help his friends get back into school because, you know, because they're affiliated with an, a, a criminal and all this nonsense. Um, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, he goes to rescue the, the recruiter, he goes to rescue the recruiter that recruited flash at MIT and all this stuff. And uh, he swings in, helps the lady and it's classic spider-man heroics 
can't go wrong. And then we get the return of Dr. Otto Octavius. Uh, great scene. And again, great casting of a character. This was a great way. And and I think with the 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 Rami Spider-Man films, it's been such a long time. I'm glad that we got we got uh, Alfred Milona back. I think it's it's perfect. He was a great character, and it's a great way to respect that history, you know, because they were the kind of pioneers of that like that storytelling. So it was great to see. It was and he was so fun. He played with the lines so well. You can tell he had a um, he had an amazing time. Uh, and then, of course, so the battle is fun. And then what's kind of cool, and, and this movie does a great job of, of allowing the audience to be a part of the conversation. Because I don't know how they anticipated, like, things that we would want to be. Like, you know, like, those conversations where you're like, if I were to do it, this is how I would have done it. Like, they kind of anticipate that. And they throw it into the film. And the best example I have of this is they bridge the two worlds so perfectly because the Stark nanotech goes on to Doc Ock's arms. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, you see, you first you see Otto Octavius in it and you, you feel already that he's disconnected in, in a manner of speaking because he's from the different world right. and he's coming after Spider-Man. And the way to bridge the two worlds and making it, and like, you know, you got to be able to see it, touch it, feel it so it, you know it exists. What a great way to do that by adding the Stark tech onto his arm. And now he's like a part of this world. You know what I mean? And it's so, it's such brilliant visual storytelling uh, that John did with this. And it's, it's, it really creates this, this conversation with the fans and what's going on in the movie into this beautiful experience. Now, if he goes back to the McGuire universe and dies, somebody's going to find that Stark tech. Well, no, because it, it goes back to him, right? It goes oh, back to him. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I saved you there. I saved you there. You did. Could, could have gone that way, but no, yeah, it goes back to him. But you're right. That could have happened. But it's but it was fun to see that bridge. And so now the characters are introduced, and we get to go to Doctor Strange. And again, this is what I'm talking about, seeing these characters mingle together. I love seeing that Doctor Strange was such a big part of this story. I think like having these characters play around together. In fact, Spider-Man's movies have played much like the comics where he hangs out with the the, the different heroes uh, throughout his films. Like he hangs out with Iron Man for 90% of the first one, right? Like that's who, that's the character he goes and chills with a lot. And then in the third one here, he spends a lot of his time with Dr. Strange and it's, and I want to see more of those team up films. Like I love seeing Thor and the Hulk together and oh, these, yeah. right? Like, like, and it's funny because you you wouldn't normally think you wanted a Thor in the Hulk movie, but now I, I now that it happened, I'm like, man, like what el what else are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Like like Falcon and Winter Soldier, I love that duo. That duo was hilarious. And I want to see more of that. That's fun. I, I Even mean, uh, Hulk and Valkyrie, I thought they were Hulk. a good pair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hulk and Valkyrie, like yes, like and that's what I think I I want to see in the future. I want to see more Marvel team up movies. It may be. You know, let's say it may be, uh, and I think we are getting it if you if you really think about it. Like even Doctor Strange, like it's Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch in the second one, right? Yeah. Like we're seeing that more. But yeah, like let's mix around the characters. Let's let's put together combos you wouldn't think that would happen. Oh, uh, I can't wait for that. I guarantee you, it's happening too. Like it's it's mm -hmm. getting to that point. Um, yeah. 
the you know Doc Ock having having Alfred Molina back is beautiful, and he's just there, and it's like no time has gone by. I think I've told you this before, but I remember like after Far From Home, where we didn't know anything about this third movie yet. I remember turning to you at some point and saying, you know, because we're speculating, like you know, what's this third movie going to be? And I remember saying, like, I had no idea they were going to go this route at all, but I was like. I could stand to see another Dr. Octopus movie. Like it's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Like I, I was figuring they would be cast and, you know, the multiverse was the furthest thing from my mind. So it's, it's really cool that I got my wish. I got to have my, my cake mm-hmm. and eat it too, because the frosting on that cake, Ryan was directed by Sam Raimi and it was delicious <laughs> and cheesy and, and quasi 1960s ish. Oh, you want to hear yeah. something, a crazy coincidence. So you know how, uh, like I said, I've been watching a bunch of movies and every three months I talk about old movies that I've never seen that I finally get around to watching. So mm-hmm. two completely unrelated random movies that I watched both happened to have the actor Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. in them who did the voice of Dr. Octopus in the animated series. No way. It was just a complete fluke. And I see his name in the credits. I'm like, oh, it's like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I'm like, oh, Jacka. And then it happened again with a second movie, like literally a few nights later. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's <laughs> he's just popping up everywhere, man. And he he's an old like he was an old man back when he was playing Doc Ock. He's he's long since passed away. Uh, mm. but just getting to see him uh, and he's using his his American accent, which I didn't know he was putting on in the cartoon, he's all like Spider-Man. I'm quasi-barbarian here, and then when you see him in these movies, he's just mm-hmm. like, "Hello, I'm an American man, and this is how I speak." And you can just hear the little trickles. You can hear the little little bits. You hear of that tone. Ideas. That yeah. tone, man. You, know? you can't can't mistake the tone in the voice. That's for sure. I was um, just wishing somebody would wheel like Felicia Hardy's mom in front of him and see him get mad and be like, "Oh, Hardy." I, you know, if I got to run into him, I'd just love to hear him say this, like, you know, how does it feel to do something but be helpless to do so? Like, oh, man. Oh, God, I just want to hear that. Anyway, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I mean, the Spider-Man animated series deserves as much respect as the X-Men one does. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it's just as much as a staple in the Marvel animated world as it is in the, uh, or as it is with the X-Men um and yeah no so again i agree like alfred malona you know the have your cake and eat it too like it's totally there and it's so nice to see that and and then of course we get defoe and and the trailer does a good job of showing that scene the bridge the bridge fight scene and still not giving you enough like literally they gave you nothing they literally were like yeah you can expect this to happen but it's not gonna not gonna nearly be as cool as what's gonna happen later um and and going to dr strange's uh uh sanctum sectorum and what's interesting that i like that the movies are starting to do now it's frustrating as hell as a fan but they're they're giving you context of what is literally of what's happening with this character you know in during this timeline like literally you're you know like this is something you don't normally normally see like literally you'll see stacked events so at this point, like, you know, this snow thing, we probably wouldn't normally see till the multiverse of madness and seeing like, you know, what's happening to the sanctum sectorum. What I like is, is like Spider-Man goes in and this is happening to him now. And we're, and, and we're checking in with this character. And that's, that to me is interesting because 
first of all, we have no context as to what's really going on. They say what it is. They say what happened. But you're not you're not given much context as to what Doctor Strange has been doing behind the scenes. Like we got the what if thing going on and we got Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness thing going on. But the best part is, is literally it's like jumping into the middle of a book. And that's yes. something you don't see with this kind of movie, this movie world building. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think the best example I could say is like, you know, you'll get a Fast and the Furious movie and they'll be like, OK, we're going to go drive off and into the sunset and that's and then we'll check in with you two movies later and be like well we came back from the sunset and here's what we did no it's <laughs> like you'll meet them halfway and you'll you know figure out what's been going on so that was really cool and again we're we don't know that much and and you could di start dissecting and playing around with it based on what you've seen from the trailer and everything but it's cool to check in on a character and so then they do the whole spell thing and what i love too uh, is they is, is they learn about the world. Now, the interesting thing here is how they live up to Spider-Man, the character. So Doctor Strange is like, we need to send them all back to their to their deaths because, you know, that's what their destiny is and all this stuff. And Spider-Man starts hesitating. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Dial it back. Like, we can't do that, man. We need to, like, help these people. You know, these are dis distraught people. And to be fair, you know, you, I think the view, the viewer is you, we could debate till our heads explode, you know, whether or not him sending them back will allow them to be, allow them to have a different outcome. I think personally, it's, a, it's completely irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Like in my mind, if they're being sent back to the moment of their death, they're going to die. Like there's no like, mm -hmm. stop. I'm a different person. Don't kill me. That's not going to happen. But it's, it's about, it's, it's not what it's about. It's about Spider-Man's conscience. He doesn't want to send people to their death. He wants to know that he helped them because that's what Spider-Man does. He doesn't like killing people and he doesn't like fighting people. He likes helping people. He's if your friendly he neighborhood Spider-Man. Exactly. He, he, if he has to fight people, it's out of pure defense. It's never, he's never on the offense. And that's, that's why the symbiote suit saga is so fun because he's, he's taking, he's taking initiative. He's being more aggressive, but this Spider-Man doesn't do that. He doesn't want to fight. He wants to resolve issues. And that's what he does in the cartoons. And that's why it's so fun when you see um, it's that's why it's so fun when you see him fight the vulture in the first one, because he's trying to tell him that that stealing is wrong. He's trying to tell him he's trying to educate the vulture that what he's doing is wrong. And then what does he get for that? He gets a building dropped on him. Yeah. Right. But it's, he's trying to stop him. He's just trying to say, like, look, you can't do that. And that's the fun of it. And that's and the, and the scene, the scene in the car when he drops him off for the, the, the dance and everything is so perfect because he's like, look, I can kill you right now, but you did a good thing. So I'm not going to do that. You know, you're going to go in there and dance. And you're going to pretend that this never happened. And I'm going to go do my thing. And you're going to show my daughter a good time because that's the right thing to do. And, and, and that's his right thing to do. But then the beauty of Spider-Man is like, look, I, now I know you're doing a bad thing. And I need to stop you from doing it. And that's what Spider-Man does. It's so good. It's so good. 
And so this no way home moment is perfect. And that's why to me, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant what's going to happen to the villains because it's about his conscience. He doesn't want to send them back to their desk because it was their destiny. He wants to help them so he can change. He can, he can feel good because in the end, it's about him redeeming himself for losing Uncle Ben. You got it, man. That hits the nail right on the head. That drives what he does. And, you know, it would be hard enough for him to do that for one villain, let alone six of them uh, or five or whatever. Yeah. Like, and he's already locking them up. I'm sure he doesn't, he's not a fan of keeping them behind a mm. cage. Uh, and so the, the uh, wanting to save them of it all, it's not some contrived thing to make the plot happen. It's exactly what needs to happen because he's Spider-Man. That's just how he rolls. Uh, and then this leads to the moment that I said I forgot to talk about last time and I want to talk about with you because I think it's one of the coolest moments of the movie because of how subtle it is. It feels like what we call here a Marvel moment, but it feels very subtle. And it's the whole idea of, uh, do you think you can guess what it is that I'm going to bring up? I want to say it's the the one where they're in the room and he's helping them all. And then it, is it the fight scene in the, the, the condo? No, it's before that. Before that? Yeah. Is it the one? It's not the Sandman. No. The Sandman Electro? No. Oh. Nothing to do with is? Sandman Electro. It's, um, all right, Peter makes the choice. I'm not going to let you do this spell. Oh, oh, the fight scene. The fight scene in the mirror dimension, right? The fight, even bef like at, right before we get into the mirror dimension, Strange mm. Soul kicks him. Oh, yeah. But he can't get the box out of his hand. I love that little moment. I love just that that visual just makes me laugh of like of him there unconscious, but his like his spider eyes are still open and he's just he's going like this, like that. <laughs> I, I apologize so profusely to the people who are only listening to the audio version of this, but but that I love that moment and I love just strange is just he's completely flummoxed by the fact that he can't take that box. And I wanted to run it by you because I'm assuming. Uh, and if I'm wrong, please tell me. But I'm assuming he can't take the box because the spider sense is still working and moving his body for him. Is that what's going on there? Well, because because even though his, his soul has been knocked out of his body, essentially, like or his astro form or whatever, his his conscience is still working, right? Like his, his sub his, his subconscious is still working, I should say. And so he knows because he he believes in his core that he's helping them and he's doing the right thing. So he knows if he stops strange, then he'll, you know, then he will be able to do what he wants. And so the spider sense is protecting him. Right. Right. If he loses the box, then he loses what he's doing. Right. And that, that's the whole thing. So it's uh, that's why he's doing. You're right. It is the spider sense. It's a subconscious protection thing where he's like, nope, you can't have this because I need to do what I need to do. Yes, and that moment of like, because it's Doctor Strange, like this guy has done and seen shit that we can't even comprehend. So mm -hmm. the moment of him being like, I'm just going to take a box from your hand and he can't do that. That to me was like the equivalent of when Vision's like, here's your hammer, Thor, let's go. It's like, oh yeah, you think you're holding all the cards, but this other character is going to surprise you with how well they can get past your power. And it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, give me more of that. 
that's a great Marvel moment. I got to give you props. And the reason, but that's to me, that is a Marvel moment, but that's not my Marvel moment. But that's a good, Mar <laughs> that's a good Marvel moment. Uh, but I love that scene. So getting into the fight scene with Doctor Strange. Um, and again, I, and I, I love that you're playing on that theme, right? Like, because we get another moment of true core Spider-Man where he literally uses science to stop Strange. And that is so perfect. It is so good. The fight scene is so much fun. I, I was wondering in the trailer why he's like Doctor Strange is able to spin the train. And I'm like, okay, clearly it's like a mirror dimension kind of thing. But I'm like, why are they in it? Like, why is this happening? Right? Um, could they be traveling somewhere? Like, what's the whole deal? And I love that it was a huge fight. Like, I love it was a battle. It was fun. And I love that he used science and smarts to beat his villain or beat his his his, uh, his challenger. And it's so good to see. It's it's that's that's the Spider-Man we know and love, right? Like the the Spider Sense defeating Mysterio is fun, but it's it's about the science. Like he uses science to always outwit his villains. Like like Auto Auto Octavia like. That's why in Spider-Man 2, the fun part is, is he uses science to stop Doc Ock with the unplugging the machine and, you know, you know, helping him stop the whole thing. Like it's, it's all about reason and science. And that's the fun of Spider-Man. And I loved, loved, loved seeing that in, with his battle with Doctor Strange that he uses, I think it's trigonometry to, to, to web him up. And it's so good. Geometry. He uses Sorry, geometry. geometry. Yeah, it yeah. reminds me of uh, when Lisa is teaching Bart how to, to play golf, and he's like, "You finally found a practical use for geometry." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you also got to remember too is continuity is king in films, mm -hmm. and especially when you're doing something like MCU. Sebastian Stan even was quoted saying, "Like Kevin Feige does not get the respect he deserves in the in the Hollywood world," and it's true. Because you got to remember continuity too. Because first we see Spider-Man in school. He's learning about geometry. He's learning yeah. about the gravity of objects, right? And uh, and he he, you know, totally just guesses his way out of it, and he nails it so easily. And then later on in the same movie, he has to use the helicopter to swing into the a very small window right and it talks about the weight of an object because uh you know um he says uh something cancels out because because of gravity right so he uses the weight of the the copter and uses gravity to swing in through through a, a harder window and it's so brilliant and then later on we see him use yet again geometry to stop dr strange so Talk about continuity of character and building it out. It's so good. So good. Well, let's let's be real. Kevin Feige is fine, but it's you'll Kevin never you'll never fine. you'll never find continuity as good as you know Halloween six, the curse of Michael Myers, and how well it just brings everything together. The first five movies, it just ties it in. Kevin wishes, <laughs> wishes he could reach those heights in the meantime he's gonna have to settle for the silver medal though uh, <laughs> I, I mean if we're talking about I, I don't know uh quantity of films i think one completely outweighs the other this is me making fun of people who hate that the mcu is too connected uh, 
<laughs> I know, I know. But it's but it, but seriously though, like you got to think about those layers, and and that's why that fight scene is so fun, and and yet brings us back to why Spider Man's so fun. You know, it's all about science. And even one thing I liked in the second one was he built his new suit using science. Right? He built him. He built himself a new suit using problem solving. What he's going to need, and he got rid of things and everything. So again, they're really playing up the core values of the character. And then we get the coolest scene. Uh, and and again, I like that Spider Man has his friends. He's got Ned. He's got he's got MJ, and they're you know they're having fun and everything. Um. But the coolest, coolest character and completely destroyed everybody else. I'm not even going to spend too much time talking about Electro because he was a fun character. Yes, it was nice to see him rebooted and polished a bit more. But overall, his he, he was comedic relief. And, 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 and to be fair, like he did a good job. Don't get me wrong. He did a good job. But I think his character was comedic relief. And, and you kind of kind of you're going to be glanced over because because of the two big players in this one, which is Doc Ock and, and of course, our boy Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, coming back, giving us by far the best villain performance I have seen to date. I will, I will wow. go out on the limb. I will go out on the limb here and say that was that was the best Marvel villain performance I have ever seen. It was wow. creepy. It was creepy. The knife twisting super slowly. Like, oh my God, it was so good. And he <laughs> played with you. He played with you. And I say you, the audience. Jonathan, I'm talking to you specifically. He played <laughs> with you. He played with you. And the, and he, and what's funny is, this is a fool me once, shame, or sorry, fool me twice, shame on me. Okay? This is a fool me twice, shame on me. Why? They did this first with Mysterio. They played with your feelings. They made you think that maybe this is a different Mysterio because that's the, that's Hollywood storytelling for you. Maybe this is a different Mysterio. Maybe he did come from a different world where Spider-Man was bad and he wanted to like correct that, that, that this could happen. But in the end, he was the Mysterio we know and love and it couldn't have been a better twist of a story. It was so fun. And this one... Different, different Osborn. Different Osborn. This is this is an Osborn that's trapped in a different world. He's all confused, and and he hasn't had a serum, so it's clearly it's wearing off. Maybe he is good. But when we got to the scene where he starts helping them all out, and then then that moment where Parker walks out and the spider sense starts going off, oh I God. will tell you the silence. You could feel it in the room. You could feel it in the theater. You could feel it. It was so, the tension was so there. And you hear him twisting the word. Oh my God. Even the lines. Like he's like, he's just like, oh, that spider sense of yours. Oh, like, or that sense of yours. Like, I, like he just like, you can feel it in the room. And when you feel in the room, you know, the audience is in it. You know, everyone's in it. And then kicks off the coolest and most grittiest fight scene I have ever seen. And, you know, funny enough is, like, the other villains with, with the Spider-Man trilogy, you know, they're, they're simple. You know, they're simple. They have simple needs. You know, like, like Vulture, he just wanted to make money so his family could be rich and be well off and get the money he deserves and life is grand. He didn't want to kill Spider-Man. He didn't want to kill him. Doesn't like <laughs> killing people. He just wants to get his stuff and get out. Mysterio doesn't want to hurt anybody doesn't want he doesn't want to hurt anybody unless he has to but like 
but he just wants to, you know, control the narrative, you know, all that, all that media stuff and, and, you know, be the hero in his own image, that kind of thing and have people listen to him. Uh, but, you know, if collateral damage happens, it happens. This Green Goblin liked killing for the sake of killing. This is a very scary character for Spider-Man, especially. This is like, this is his legit worst nightmare. And and I love it. he calls out Aunt May and this like holy crusade. I love that word that he uses, like this holy crusade. And in comes the grittiest and best superhero fight scene. In in, in I've seen some good fight scenes, and I mean, I, I I like to consider myself a connoisseur of fight scenes, action movies. You are like my thing. And let me tell you, that was the best use of superhero powers I've ever seen. Like. Dude got sidewalk slammed into into the floor and went through the floor into the ground. Then he got picked up again and power bombed through another floor going down. Then on top of that, he jumps. Spider-Man jumps on Goblin's shoulders and starts wailing in his face. And Defoe's just laughing at him with that with the fangs and the Goblin just and like it's so gritty. And the best part is, is Goblin is just messing with him. And the best part is, too, is that Defoe said he would do his own stunts because he needs the physicality of the character. So he wanted, and you could see it, you could feel in that room, like that performance he gives and that fight scene is so good. And they're like, you know, Spider-Man, you know, like the 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 backflip drop kick into the ground, like all that stuff there was great use of a character's physical ability. You know, the only other examples I have that really demonstrated that kind of physical prowess was Captain America in Civil War when he has the first fight scene in Africa. You see him really use him his body weight and like, you know, really throw those hits and everything. You see it, you get a good taste of it in Winter Soldier. Uh, and there's some good moments in there. But Civil War, I think, was like a very fully polished Captain America. Like the fight scenes are just so... They hit so hard and they're so good feeling. Um, but yeah, like it's very, Marvel's very good at doing fight scenes, don't get me wrong, but like like top tier ones definitely would be, this movie is definitely right up there, right out of the gate. And, um, and uh, I would say Civil War is another good one. And, and this is like with very minimal CG. And that's what I got to specify here too, is this is, this is very minimal CG. This is a lot of wire work but it's very minimal CG and it's super fun to watch. Like, I think we only get the lizard in one point and he's another character you, you kind of glance over very quickly, but um, he just kind of grabs him at one point, throws him in. But the fight between Goblin and Spider-Man were mostly wire work and like just pure physicality. And I, I love that. I give me more of that all the time. It's just, just an absolute joy to watch. This fight was so fast and furious that mm -hmm. I, I remember it was uh, it kind of washed over me in a blur and it's one of the things that when i rewatch this film again i'm going to be keeping my eyes open for because i want to see it i feel like there's a lot i missed because they're they're cutting between the other villains who are kind of screwing out of the apartment and you know doc ock is like i don't want to hurt anybody and then meanwhile lizard's like oh i'm the lizard mm -hmm. i don't have a coat but i'm the lizard and you know, I'm, i think that piece of dialogue is actually lifted right out of the movie uh, and then, and then you've got this great goblin spider fight that 
Mm -hmm. I, like, I just remember, like you're saying, like being thrown into walls and thrown into floors and ceilings. And it makes for something really cool and different because Spider-Man fights are normally spectacle. It's, uh, you know, a, a superhuman man versus a, a monster. They're these, these monsters of science. Uh, and this, these fights are always a big spectacle. Uh, but this was just ash and blood and bones and, and crunching plaster. It was more like a Liam Neeson action movie than a Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I was so caught up in the whole moment. I was so swept up in the whole, uh, just the tide of the spider sense and everybody, you know, being on pins and needles. I'm like, where is this going? Where's the spider sense going? What's happening? And then the fight breaks out and the way it ends in that tragedy I was so swept up in that and it was bookended by these two very quiet, powerful things that I feel like my mind really just kind of went blank during parts in the middle there. So I need to see this fight again and get it in more juicy detail in my mind because I know there's parts of it that I just couldn't catch. But at least it leads to uh, another brave moment by the writers to just take this in a direction that's like there's no going back we're just chugging forward and guess what spider-man's a guy who has tragedy happen to him and here's another tragedy we lose aunt may ryan we lose yes brave step forward but this is the modern this is a modern take right this is mm -hmm. this is another example of of helping a character move forward but not only the character, but the audience, right? Like we can't cling to the Spider-Man we remember. Like we can't cling to that the whole time. And even Holland's been saying the same thing. Like he's like, if I'm playing Spider-Man into my 30s, like I'm and and not pass on the torch, like I'm doing something wrong. And and I agree with him. Like I 100% agree with him. Like you 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 need to have a good solid story from beginning to end and you need to bow out gracefully and i think i think you know rdj though i would love to see him come back i mean you know if they if he magically comes back in multiverse of madness as like the illuminati thing 100 percent, i would love that but at the same time like he had a beginning middle and an end and it was perfect would i want more of course but i didn't might i don't need more i don't and and i definitely do not need less it was perfect and same with Holland, like this, this was a brave move. This was a brave move to get rid of or to have um, maybe killed. But it's an important storytelling thing that needs to happen because we know how Spider-Man has dealt with the loss of Uncle Ben. But we don't know as well if you've read comics and stuff, then you know how it can be played out. But in the media side of things, in media representations of Spider-Man, you don't know how well he's going to deal with losing Aunt May. And that's that's a, a refreshing new take on loss with Spider-Man. And it's beautiful. Props to Tom Holland, man. This guy is epic. This guy's a, this guy's living, this guy's got some really good emotionally driven moments. And he's really good at picking up those emotionally driven moments and making you kind of grind through it. I don't know how else to say it. It's it's a real like he really knows how to find that catharsis moment and just like and really just kind of work through it. And it's really just a joy to watch. It is so good. And it's sad. Like it was like this this theater went from like cheering that Matt Murdock was there laughing away and just 
like on this like wonderful ride and then all of a sudden green goblin who's who's meant to be a nightmarish character for spider-man not only changes the tone in terms of the story but changes the tone for the audience and reminds you that this is not a fun story and that's yeah. beautiful that is beautiful and the best part is is they do a good job subverting expectations you think aunt may is going to get up and she struggles a bit and you you have a moment where you start to doubt yourself i did i did i'm like oh man she's gonna be in the hospital and it's gonna be another one of those kind of stories no she does not survive and it is very gritty um and it's really sad and and even even adding that extra layer with favreau in it was really nice because he actually serves as a connecting point later on which was really smart by uh by the director, Mr. John Watts. Uh, it was really well done. Uh, but uh, it was it was a tough pill to swallow. It was that was a tough was. Scene. And I, I've said I said that night to you and to everybody else, and I, I keep mm. seeing it every time I talk about the movie. If they had done this with Rosemary Harris's Aunt May, I don't think I could have handled it. That would have been too sad for me to handle. Uh, and I know, like I know the whole the character of Aunt May and the comics and just in general, I know she's been in the hospital a bajillion times and i'm pretty sure in the comics she's probably died at least five times because in the comics mm -hmm. death is nothing to comic book writers unfortunately yeah. um but i've never experienced a story myself where aunt may dies i've never read any of those comics she never died in the cartoon she never died in any other movie so to see it happen um was it was weird because there's this character that i've been familiar with she's one of my favorite characters from spider-man's universe i you know, I've known her since I was a little boy. I I um, attached myself to Peter Parker as a kid when I watched that show because I was always living and staying with my aunts because uh, my mom was a single mom who's always working. So I was constantly, you know, when Aunt May is like, "It's your wheat cakes, Peter," I'm like, "That's me." I'm an aunt is always putting wheat cakes wheat. in my plate. Yeah. So <laughs> that that was like the thing that you know I saw Spider Man as like uh, like know. a like a a big brother of mine, like, hey, he's like me. So growing up, Aunt May was sort of infused in that DNA as just like, mm -hmm. she's part of this story. So to finally be witness to a story where there, we see the end of Aunt May, that really shook me. And I think I, I just have to give the proper amount of credit to the writers for going that route. Uh, Marvel is pretty good. The MCU is pretty good, rather, at, at not shying away from these big moments that take turns and, and and turn the story in a direction from which there is no going back even though this whole movie is about trying to undo one of those turns we see that that can't be done uh and it's just storytelling choice after storytelling choice that pushes us to new territory and i i applaud them for doing that yeah, I applaud them for doing that as well. And and that whole scene, like when Goblin starts twisting everything, that that was my Marvel moment. Like that Goblin lived up to exactly what he does in comics and stories and everything. And 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 it's a beautiful adventure from there. And and the fight scenes just Marvel like comic book page after comic book page. Like, and I think that's the other smart thing that people don't pick up on with that fight scene is the reason why it's going through the walls it's like going through the different panels of a comic book oh my god that's brilliant right because it's uh. and, it, and it's fun too because it's shot in a hallway so it's a perfect kind of square and you uh -huh. just like the power bomb there's this kind of 
slow motion moment where you see them like about to go through it and it it, it looks like you could snapshot that and say that's a comic book moment but that was my marvel moment but i agree with you it was brave of the writers and it and i and again it's a great way to to show the the spectrum of this movie like this like you know usually with marvel movies you have this kind of predictable flow to it like it's you know when the movie's gonna turn for better and then you know happy ending because it's a disney movie no not this movie mm -mm, mm -mm. this movie made you think it was gonna be fun and then it wasn't mm -hmm. and then just when you think it's gonna be fun again it isn't <laughs> and and they turn but they turn it around and make it feel fun but it's not and and then finally this you know we hit this note this really sour note and at this point i think as fan expectations are the way they are no one i will argue to this day you could dissect you could all the internet was like, yeah, you know, the other Spider-Men are in it. It's going to happen. It's all there. You know, you, there is a, there is a small part of you that just doubted that that was going to happen. It, it could have been, it could have been, but you doubted. And, and the movie makes you feel like this sour note, like you're, you're, they give you the sour note because it almost makes you forget everything else. Like, like, let me ask you, I'm going to take a moment, like you guys take a moment as we're talking about this, but take a moment for yourselves and really think about it. Were you thinking about anything else during Aunt May's death sequence? No. Right? Fantasia shook his head. And that's my point. You were not. Because then, the, the because you just, you feel like Spider-Man does. Like, what's the point? What's the point of all this? And that's when the beauty comes in. They found a way to change the tone of the movie yet again, yet again, into Act 3, and they bring in the other two Spider-Men. And this is so good. It is so believable and so well done. Oh, man. And and again, talk about continuity of humor. Is Ned talks, Ned jokes about how he has magic uh, in him, his magic hands, but he creates the portal, and then he brings in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And that was such, like, the room lit up after just feeling completely miserable. And you know what? I, I love what they did for this. Because Garfield now, he's feeling himself again. Because um, he had depression after Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, I heard oh, no. terrible stories. Oh, man, dude. I heard he went through some rough, rough times, like, personally after. Because, it because really of Spider-Man? Because it's Amazing Spider-Man Two, it hurt his career. It, it hurt his it hurt his personal self. Apparently, he had, he went through a lot of depression. And you gotta remember too, like this is when superhero movies were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And and you know after Iron Man and Batman Begins and all that, and then you get something like Amazing Spider-Man Two, which had a lot of issues and and problems. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't Garfield's fault. He was a good Spider-Man in my my opinion. But he didn't uh, write it. Yeah, he didn't write it. He for sure didn't write it. Uh, but but man, did he redeem? And to be fair, I think he he stole some of the scenes. Like he did a really good job. Uh, and and we get him, and then we get we get uh, McGuire both in the scene together, and it was so fun to see the audience exploded. I think I'm pretty sure heads literally exploded in our theater, just like completely. yeah. The guy behind me died. 
It was, <laughs> it was not pleasant. Uh, the but, dry cleaner charged me extra to get that all out of my shirt. Yeah, it was just oh man, explosions were everywhere. But it was it was great. It was it was fun to see them. It was, and again, the humor that they did for this movie, I just top tier stuff like garfield was hilarious like the whole like i'm not gonna like i don't need to climb the why do you want me to climb the ceiling like you know and it was really good and and mcguire had his mcguire was like you didn't miss a beat the second he was back in and you have to remember he was the one that hasn't been the character in this character's shoes the longest and he comes back in and it's as if he never left like yes. it's so good. His tone, his approach, his humor, the the line delivery. You could you could argue that this man is completely different nowadays, but for him to revisit that and just be like capture that essence. Oh my god. The way Toby delivers his dialogue is very unique. He played Peter in a really shy way where it was it was hard for Peter to get a sentence out, a full sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just wanted to know if you were still in the village, MJ. Like he, he had the shyness down to a science, mm -hmm. and it's a very different kind of Peter than Garfield or than um, Holland. So when he comes out of that portal, and he's just he's got his hands in his pockets, and he's like, "Hey, uh, this portal just opened. Uh, hope it's okay if I just <laughs> like I'm just like there. He's back." Those, those uh, what, 14 years have not passed and he, he's just back and, and it's the same Peter. And I think that's so beautiful, man, what you said about how the movie played with us and and took us for that ride and played the sour note before the, the symphony and the trumpets blared and mm -hmm. the, the pearly gates opened and we got to that moment. Because the with Marvel, we fall into that trap a lot, unfortunately. And it's not really anybody's fault but ours because it just stems from our own expectations but when we're watching a new marvel thing inevitably like all during shang chi and all during eternals even though i'm having a good time i'm sitting there like you know who's gonna pop up at the end like what you know we we think of those mcu moments we think of those credit scenes or whatever and it can sometimes take us out of the experience and we forget to just enjoy the story and have a good time um and the that danger was very prevalent because everybody going into that movie is thinking, are we getting these Spider-Man? That's all anybody was asking is, is this going to have multiple? Are we going to see all three? Are they coming? Are they coming? And the movie so expertly and so craftily makes us forget about it for a moment. Because like you said, Ryan, you're right. Nobody was thinking of anything else in that moment except, oh my God, we lost Ant-Man. Nobody is sitting there thinking like, how, how much longer is left? Where's Maguire? Right. Because something big and important has just happened and the sour note is still resonating with us. And when they cut away from that and sort of, it, it was something in, in the score. There was just like a piece of string because, you know, sad music is playing and, and Aunt May is passing away. So the, the orchestra is playing and the last remnants of string fade away to silence. And it's the first silence we have had since before the spider sense scene, right? Mm, because it, yeah. that was a whole mess of noise. And when that silence 
finally hits again after the death is the shot of MJ and Ned sitting at the table in his apartment, just kind of looking at the wood and just quiet. And as soon as that violin stopped playing, Ryan, and the, the silence came on the screen and I'm looking at them, that was when I had the thought, I'm like, here they come. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, the sour note continued and it, and it played in all of our heads and all of our hearts. And it wasn't till we got to that moment where there's no music at all that I felt like this is the right time, not only uh, for us as fans, but for the characters. This is when you need two more Spider-Men to come and show Storm and Norman what's up. So that that's that's beautiful that you, you call attention to that because they took us for that ride and they did it with all the skill of like, like that was Palpatine himself could not have crafted and planned that out better as far as I'm concerned. You could, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't, man. I like, again, this is why I cannot wait for John Watts to do fantastic Four because oh, again, dude. he took, he took Spider-Man and Spider-Man's again, we've seen re- reinventions of Spider-Man and all that stuff. But in the end is we still wanted the core Spider-Man. Like, you know what I mean? Like the comic book Spider-Man, but it's hard because he is a dated character. He's a very dated character, but he gets revamped in the comic books quite often to a point where it's like, okay, I buy, I buy this, but this was a true revamp of the character. And it, it, and I can't say that enough. I really can't because it's such, it's such a modern feeling Spider-Man and nothing has come even close to what they did in this movie. And so getting back into it is the Spider-Man come in and then we get the classic shot of like when something tragic happens, of course, you're going to find Spider-Man, some old classy looking building uh, like the school, for example, is perfect, perfect example. And uh, and the rains on him and everything. And and he's just torrential downpour and he's going through the most miserable time ever. But the, the Spider-Man come in and make them, you know, realize again, that like, hey, man, like, we have a responsibility, you know, like that's why Aunt May taught us what 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 we what we know and all, and Uncle Ben especially. Um, so getting into the school scene is fun. I again, I love the dialogue between the Spider Man. It, it like wow. it's so good. The comedy is so funny. Uh, I love that like they they talk about the webbing. <laughs> so they, they talk about everything the fans talk about. I think that's why it resonated so well. It wasn't just yeah. a, like a couple of really good writers because they are writing really good jokes. It wasn't that it was a couple of really good writers understanding that at this point, this dialogue has already been written for 20 years by every fan. And all we have to do is just sit back and let it come out. Yeah, no, it's it. it again, you know, like we talked about that theme earlier of, of simply put like keeping the audience a part of the conversation, you know what yeah. I mean? Cause like they anticipated everything we wanted to ask or we have asked in, in internet conversations like you know does does the webbing come out anywhere else like the joke the joke is so good like and it's so well done it's like uh he's like how do you do that like and he's like i like i don't know how i breathe i just do right and it's it's so good because it it literally wraps up every question we've ever had about these characters and it's so fun and i love i love the humor i think my favorite dialogue is is the my my favorite dialogue actually comes a little bit after, but like 
I love the the humor where he's like, oh, you guys fought so many cool things. You know, I just fought a guy in a mechanized rhino costume. It was so lame. He's like, hey, hey, back it up. You are, you're amazing. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that moment is so fun. It's so like, we all felt, we all felt that together. Like Garfield, the audience, <laughs> the characters all felt that together. And you can't, I, I don't care. I don't care. Even the best Oscar movies couldn't, couldn't come close to that genius level of writing. No, they and, can't. And and to to like reiterate what you said earlier, Ryan, about how they they never lost sight of who Spider-Man is, right? Mm-hmm. This might be the only time I can think of where you get together three superheroes and they never fight once. Yeah. Right? Because that's mm-hmm. Spider-Man. He doesn't just jump to like, I'm gonna beat you up. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's always trying to make friends with people down to the last second. Sandman is like bringing the Chrysler building onto him. And he's like, <laughs> Flint, let's talk, man. Right? Like, yeah. That's just how he, so uh, I, I can't understate enough how rare that is for a team up to happen, even though they are all the same guy, for a team up to happen without starting with a fight. Spider-Man and Wolverine in that cartoon, they eventually took on Herbert Landon and the Hobgoblin, but they tussled mm-hmm. first and they knocked their heads together and that alley was uh, all the worse for mm-hmm. it. So that's... Punisher, same deal. Punisher. Yeah. So, but yeah. they're just supportive of each other from minute one and this whole thing of like, you're amazing, man. Like that is... They're, <laughs> so they're there for each other and it just warms my heart. Yeah. Like it's, and, it's exactly yeah. what it needed to be. And, and the fight scene is the last fight scene is good. Is it as good as the Goblin versus Spider-Man fight scene? No, I don't think it is. It's it's very CG heavy, but it is fun. It, there are fun moments watching them all come together, and I love how they fail at first and they they kind of team huddle. And <laughs> I love that he's like he's like, hey, you know what? I don't want to say it, but now I'm an adventure. And they're like, what's that? Cool. <laughs> like, what's an adventure? I love like that was priceless. Like they could have they could have played that up. They could have been like, oh cool, you're an Avenger. Like I love that. Like McGuire's like, what's that? And then Garfield's like, is that a band? <laughs> it was so good. Uh but yeah, that was my favorite dialogue between the characters. It was I was almost in tears laughing because that was priceless and so funny. And um, surreal but- just hearing Toby mm-hmm. say the word Avenger. Exactly. That's, that's still so yes. Surreal. Yeah, so surreal too. You, and it's the language, right? It's that Marvel language that you love the the love that the characters are using because it it reinforces the world without without having to see it. Like that's another thing with cameos too. Is it's like one thing I did love about what Hawkeye did was you saw the reinforcement of Kingpin throughout the entire story. Like you yes. saw the drop of the fat man, you know, fat man's garage and, and the big guy, you know, all this stuff. Like it was all there and all really reinforced it. And the same thing, uh, I mean, you could say the same thing for other moments and stuff like that, but the constant reinforcement of that is is perfect. And and overall, the fight scene was fun, you know, dealing with the different monsters and like, hey, boom, okay, you're healed, moving on. You know, Otto, and I love that Otto was actually trying to prevent things. Like he was, he became kind of an anti-hero, which, which he does mm-hmm. uh, more often than not. But I think the fight I love the most is is again Spider-Man versus Goblin. It's so good, and I, and there's a lot of redemption stories here, because the main story redemption for Maguire Spider-Man was the loss of Uncle Ben and and redeeming that. And 
uh, Garfield's was the loss of Gwen Stacy and trying to redeem that, and he got it with the oh, MJ moment. Uh, and, and it's a it's a beautiful beautiful moment oh my god it's it's really heartfelt and again i hope i hope mcguire i hope mcguire is really loving this feeling he's getting and i hope he gets that that constant praise and all that stuff because he deserves it like that performance in this movie is is really fun to watch um it's really just positive endearment like it's just so endearing to watch him be his the positive self and having a good time um and uh and then mcguire is having his redemption story because he lost aunt may you know he's he's dealing with a ton of loss um uh, and and again even with uncle ben and everything right uh so he has that moment of redemption as well and and the interesting part is though is mcguire saving goblin it was so fun yes and, and it, it's mm -hmm. such a it's such a strong moment it's so good well, look how much uh, trouble it caused Mm -hmm. to have that glider go through Norman for him. It caused mm -hmm. two whole movies of just whiny James Franco, and nobody wants that. Uh, so, I mean, depending on who you ask, nobody wants regular James Franco. So the he is stepping in the way of Big Brother. It's like a Big Brother, you know, grabbing drugs out of his little brother's hand and being like, no, trust me, mm -hmm. trust me. You, you will regret this. Uh, that was a beautiful moment, and I thought for a second we were gonna lose Toby. Um, so I'm I'm pleased that he didn't die. But what's interesting about that is now this might be wishful thinking because of course you and I our answer would be like yes please, but why save his life, Ryan? Unless that means we're gonna see him again. Uh, McGuire, you think? Yeah. Mm, it's true i think i think it's because again you i think if you let him die if you let him die then you want to see what's going to happen to him but now that he lives it's kind of like okay you can put him back where he was and, and let him mm. live on his life like i think i think it's it again it plays to the wrapping up of the story and, and it does a good job oh, bless you and Thanks. uh so it's it's perfect it's a perfect experience it's so good um but yeah that was a great great moment and then and then the spell to reverse everything i mean yes it, you know it's funny because if you look at the whole fight scene the last one it's really gimmicky like they have all these tools that are gonna just magically reverse everything like you you don't even care because it's just the emotional stakes that yes. are in this part it is so big and you know it's funny because in our acting program like they always talk about raising the emotional stakes but in these superhero movies like I, I often sit back and you know, yes, as an actor, I probably could always find a way to raise the stakes. But in these movies, I, I often sit back and go, I, I don't know how, you, I don't know how I can make the emotional stakes any higher than they already are. But it's really good to see. And and then Doctor Strange cast a spell, and yes, you could see the different villains in the thing there. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's nice to see that. Maybe that's a tease for something else. Uh, but yeah, we saw Craven, uh, Scorpion, and Rhino was I, there. Yeah, Rhino was there. I mean, you could argue all sorts of stuff. What you saw in there, I I need to I need to really dissect that scene and like watch it carefully. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the spell now the spell is often debated now because the the whole point of the spell was like to forget anyone knew that Peter Parker was Spider Man. And fun oh a fun side note I should say. When I was watching this film and all this stuff is going on, the movie's dark and everything, Anna crawled her way through the aisle. Okay, the second time I saw it, she crawled her way through the aisle 
underneath everybody and then came up to me at some random point in the film and just grabbed me, pulled me to her face and, and just yelled at me like, this is the best movie ever. Oh my God, it's been there. And she, and she went back to her seat. But she was she was just absolutely loving it. Anyway, that's classic Anna. She did that during Eternals too. She was having a great time during Eternals. <laughs> Anna, you yeah. remember that? I know you do. Yeah. So uh, so it was it was epic, man. So um, so the spell is is like everyone forgets that Peter Peter Spark Peter Parker is Spider Man. So what's going to happen is is Spider Man was still there for all the events. He helped the Avengers. He you know was with the Guardians. All that stuff. They just don't know that he's Peter Parker. That's yes. it's as simple as that. Yeah. And Marvel has confirmed that there will be more details in future stories about how that spell worked. Cool. So we will see more of that as well. Uh, but yeah, an epic storytelling of Spider-Man indeed. And it was a wonderful, wonderful ride. Um, and then we get to uh, we get to him wearing the classic spider-man suit which was really cool it's about time mm-hmm. um and like that that ending had uh it did something that you brought up earlier talking about how um the way tom holland plays peter you know it's a the emotional drive of it all like you can just kind of feel it stronger than we have with spider-man before and mm-hmm. i think that him being so young plays the factor a lot to especially the the image of him at the end where he's at the grave of Aunt May. And I remember kind of getting hit with the the feels there where he's visiting the usually like scenes where people are just visiting a grave. It's not that interesting. It's usually just them saying like I'll avenge you, right? It's 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 not as interesting as the death itself. But he's standing there visiting her grave and it's it's winter, it's Christmas time. Uh, and he's like, he's got like a coat on and a hat. And I remember just kind of feeling like, you know, that, that poor kid, like he's still a kid. He lost his parents. He lost his uncle. He lost his aunt. And it's, I guess it's because of how young he is that I just had this feeling of like, I hope he's going to be okay. Like, is he warm enough? It looks like it's cold outside. Like I, I started getting really emotionally invested in just Peter and just hoping he was all right. Even though I know he's Spider-Man, he can take care of himself that's still a kid like that's still a teenager and i was just overcome with this this surge of like sympathy and like oh like get get somewhere warm buddy go have something to eat like it you know uh so i i don't think i could have gotten that with toby or with andrew no disrespect to them but it's just like they're just older dudes and it's it's hard to it's harder to kind of get that parental protectiveness going when the guys are older than you so i i feel like they are they have been in this whole trilogy playing the strength, playing the card that the other Spider-Man didn't quite have, which is, this is a boy. This is a young man. Uh, yeah. I'm not a boy. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. I mean, I'm a man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they have played that strength wonderfully. And uh, this this final scene of him swinging off into the, I was going to say sunset, but it's clearly nighttime, swinging off into the Rockefeller Christmas uh, Plaza with that suit. My God, Ryan, why? I just need three movies with this suit now. That's what I need. Th- this whole trilogy better have just been an origin story of how he gets <laughs> that suit. That's how much I love it. 
I honestly, I hope, I actually hope your next trilogy is is pure kingpin as the main arcing villain. Yes. Personally, I I would love to see a sins of the father story where he just like recruits all these weird offhand villains to try and stop Spider Man. I think that would be perfect. Uh, you know, because nobody messes with Mister Spider Man's neighborhood. Uh, so I think that will be that would be fun. But who knows what's next for him? Honestly, Tom Holland, man, take your break. Take your vacation, buddy. You deserve it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, enjoy your Uncharted press tour and all that fun stuff. But take a break from take your break from Marvel. Give us some time. Like like Endgame. I I kind of though I want to see Spider Man as soon as possible. I want it done right, and I want it done at the right time. So I will I will gladly gladly wait. I got many of things to to hold me over. You know, I got I got Doctor Strange next. I got Moon Knight. I got uh, or sorry, I got Moon Knight next. Then Doctor Strange, uh, and then oh man, just so so much going on. We got She Hulk coming out too. I don't even know when that's coming yet. Um, Tomorrow. <laughs> fingers crossed. I we won't see anything She Hulk related till after Moonlight launches for sure. So um, I don't know. I don't know when the big drop will be. Although, quick prediction on that one. We may, we may get a She-Hulk trailer on International Women's Day. Ooh, when's that? May something? March eighth. March eighth. Okay, that's soon. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can. Is I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be perfect. It'd be a good birthday gift for me for Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's three days, three days before my birthday. That would be nice. But uh, but yeah, I mean, but my point is, like Endgame, I don't need to see a Spider-Man movie for a little while. Just a little bit, you know, give me some time, give me some time to process and ruminate with what I just saw because it was mm -hmm. epic. And there's, I can't like, I, you know, everyone's like, I hope this movie gets an Oscar win and all this stuff like that. Personally, I don't care. You know, I, I'm with, I'm with Feige on this. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Because hey, I want a fanny. That's what's important. Okay. It that's actually, true. It won that's, two fannies, in fact. So that's that's the only award that matters, you know, mm -hmm. is the fanny award, to be honest. Um, but to be fair, but to be fair, in terms of in terms of the Oscars, is that that movie's a, a personal achievement to fans, and yes. fans and fans will only appreciate the personal achievement that it has. And box office numbers don't lie. I mean, I'm pretty sure it surpassed Avatar at this point. So that domestically, means... yeah, I think domestically it passed Avatar. I think right now it it's is. sitting at number five all time. Worldwide. Number five all time, man. Five so. or six. Honestly, honest, but like that level of storytelling is a personal achievement as a comic book fan. And and I can't wait to see other movies find that formula and just play with it. Now, the interesting thing, too, that I did want to talk about as we are wrapping things up um, is that there is now all these talks of these different MCUs that all play into the same story arc, but they're all um, uh, they're all different They're uh, Let me just quickly pull it up here. But there's now the cosmic MCU. There's the street MCU. Uh, there's, um, uh, there's like, uh, the supernatural MCU. Oh. It's all there now. Uh, so, so we're seeing all these different MCUs now. They're all going to be all doing their own thing. 
that being said, if that's true, uh, which MCU are you most excited about? Oh boy, what a great question, man. Um, mm. Is this just sort of, this isn't something that like Feige or Disney stated right this is just something fans are saying like now it's fans so are yeah this is definitely so yeah there's mcu cosmic mcu avengers mcu multiverse mcu young avengers mcu supernatural mcu street and mcu spider-man holy shit that's a lot um okay what am i looking at okay um yeah so i'm yeah so cosmic is guardians of the galaxy that makes sense um honestly i mean none of them don't get me excited Right. I know it's a win. It's a win on all fronts. It's a win on all fronts. Uh, Mm -hmm. None of them are going to make me go, that one. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess my answer, my just from my gut answer, is the one that gives us the most kingpin. So it'll probably be MCU Street or Spider Man, hopefully Spider Man. But like, I'm just, I'm all in for everything right now. There is even Mm -hmm. like a character like Blade, who I've never cared about. I'm all in for whatever they do with Blade because I love Mahershala Ali and I just love this world. So, like, mm-hmm. I- I'm never going to be like, nope, skip. We'll watch. Uh, what about you? I'm excited for MCU Supernatural, for mm-hmm. sure. Getting me my Moon Knight. I'm pretty excited about that. And, and you know, before anyone goes like, oh, man, you must be such a crazy big fan of Moon Knight. I'm a recent fan of Moon Knight. Moon Knight has has earned his place in my my fandom heart. Um, because and he did it through the games. It was it was odd to find him kind of reoccurring in a lot of games when I've rarely ever heard of him. And then I started reading the comics, and then it, and then it all just unfolded from there. And one episode, he actually had one really good episode in Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, uh, where you got like probably one of the best versions of Moon Knight, and it's really fun to watch. Um, so yeah, just I'm excited for MCU Supernatural. I, I hope they expand that a lot more because we get Ghost Rider, we get Blade, we get um, we could get a whole plethora of other characters that could tie in with Doctor Strange as well, uh, which would be really cool to see. But I also hope to see Cloak and Dagger return. I want Cloak and Dagger yeah, to return yeah. as well, right? Um, uh, yeah. So I mean, sky's the limit. One thing I do hope I see with Spider-Man is I want to see him appear in other projects. I mean, we saw him appear in Avengers a few times, but he hasn't appeared in anything else. So I want to kind of see him in other things um, in that sense. Uh, well, there's in, whispers. In a, uh, I don't know how accurate they are, but there's whispers that we will see a Spider-Man in Morbius. You know, that's not what I mean, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I would love to see him in, like, uh, like uh, Hawkeye with uh, with Kate Bishop. Yeah, totally. Totally. You know? He's going to work bit... with uh, uh, Yelena. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, that kind of, like, yeah, but that kind of stuff. I want to see that. Give me more. Give me more. Uh, just like Britney Spears. Give me, give me, give me, give me more. Um we're just going to go outside Feige's house and play that on a boombox. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think the MCU street is definitely going to be probably the most interesting one, to be honest with you, because we're now getting Daredevil, Kingpin. Uh, and I hope, uh, I think the X-Men would probably play a, a factor in the street one as well, because, you know, you get the Friends of Humanity in there and then you mix all that up together. Hey, I that think pocket the is so big, though. That could be its own thing, like MCU mutants. Like it's such oh, yeah. a big pocket. 
I know, I know, but I feel like the street version's better because like you can mix and match them with other things. Anyway, but yeah, it's man, Jonathan. Thank you for uh, giving us this conversation. It's uh, it was really fun. Uh, a lot of cool re re um, revelations happened from it for sure. So it was really fun to do. But uh, I hope we uh, I hope we made you proud with this uh, this conversation. I think so. I haven't seen any any notifications yet that Jonathan yeah. Davis has unsubscribed. So I think we're doing okay for ourselves. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. it, this was a movie that was definitely worth revisiting. So I'm glad that uh, that we got the chance to do so, even though mm -hmm. it's been so long ago now, uh, and now movie theaters are finally getting back into the swing of things, just in time for Batman, which is great because uh, Riddler and me, we got some we got some catching up to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Ryan, where can people find you, and why is your hair always so nice? You can answer <laughs> those in any order you wish. Uh, just uh, hope for the best with the <laughs> with this old look. Uh, and, uh, you can find me over on Twitter and you can find me on, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. Uh, we got, if you happen to watch this video when it goes live, which I assume is going to be now, if you watch this video between now and tomorrow, which is Friday from 12 to two Eastern standard time, I'll be giving away two copies of Elden ring. So if you want a copy of Elden ring, uh that is <laughs> be there from 12 to 2 and i'll do one better on this channel i'll tell you when i'll be giving away those copies i'll be giving them on the top of the hour so i'll be giving away one copy at one o'clock eastern standard time we're giving away a second copy at two o'clock eastern standard time so make sure you tune in and join me for that because that game apparently has broken a lot of records in terms of scores and all that wonderful greatness so i'm excited to play it and give away it can you text me a link to that stream Yes, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll say it one more time. It's twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. I, uh, I want to win this, this game because I'm too poor to buy it for $100. Twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. I will be there. Um, 12 to 2 Eastern Standard Time. All righty. And uh, you may or may not also be divulging secrets about your hair on that stream. You'll just have to tune in and see. Uh, yep. I was playing this game last week with my students. It's an acting game where it's like one kid has a secret character that I give them, and the other person in the scene has to guess what their character is. Mm -hmm. So this girl, the secret character I gave her was, I told her, you're me. You're playing me, right? So the other girl is asking her questions to try to figure out you know, and she, like who she's playing. She's having a hard time. So she gets frustrated and she's like, just describe one physical attribute. And the kid says, I'm balding. <laughs> I don't know if you'd ever actually admit that out loud. Was it was it that exercise where like they're in an interrogation room and you ask you ask questions to find out who they are? Uh, no, it was uh, like a, a therapist, and uh, the the patient has the secret character, and the therapist is trying to get to the bottom oh, of it. Okay, uh, we we did that. We did a similar exercise with the interrogation, and you were Sea Biscuit. <laughs> you were the movie Sea Biscuit. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, and we God. were trying, we were, I think, no, it's kind of reverse. It's, it's where we know the film, but we have to get the person to guess the film. And, 
and and we we had Team Biscuit, you and I, we were playing the cops, and we kept messing up between who was the good cop and the bad cop. Who were we interviewing? Who I can't was... I I can't remember who it was, but I I will I'll never forget the joke because you you we were trying we were almost at wit's end. And I was like talking about I was talking about betting betting on horses or something, and we were we were all having that moment of exhaustion. You're like biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is good. that totally slipped. Was this Alan Gutman's class? Is this improv class? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. What a fun game that I totally forgot all about that. Thank you for reminding me. It was so <laughs> priceless. Oh my god, you just tossed it out like it was nothing. You're just like biscuit. <laughs> that is i gotta do that with them the thing is with my kids there they don't know a lot of movies just because they're so young like they don't mm -hmm. watch a lot of stuff so uh i'll see if i can get them to do that but that sounds like a really fun game uh yeah. but in the meantime you can find me on instagram at andrew underscore and underscore is there an underscore on instagram i don't know just andrew fantasia i don't understand how phones work just write my name in instagram i don't care at this point and on twitter and on youtube uh here on the rebels come podcast network and on my own channel which is just called andrew fantasia and then you can find me and ryan in our homes watching moon Knight very shortly because that's coming up and as you know we will cover it here episode by episode like we always do because that's how we roll so thanks once again, everybody, for listening. Uh, if one of you listeners is one of the telemarketers who called me a exact total of nine times this morning, please leave me be. But otherwise, you're welcome. Anybody else is welcome to come talk to me and Ryan anytime. Um, Ryan, have a wonderful evening. And please, tomorrow, have a marvelous day. <laughs>